0: I'm your host, Aaron Groves, and welcome to the Pop Podcast. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Pop Podcast. I hope you all had a fabulous weekend. We are on the other side of Election Day and already into the middle of November, which is kind of wild. Thanksgiving will be here before you know it. And this week, I had the pleasure to sit down with hands down the most Mission driven and inspiring entrepreneur. I think I've sat across from in my almost 100 episodes that I've done. I have the CEO of Support Her Story or Her Story, Tinsley Merrill Paul, on the podcast. She's incredible in so many different ways. And this conversation flowed very authentically, as I feel most of my conversations do. But her story has partnered with over 100-plus women-led brands across the U.S., Africa, Ukraine, and beyond. My favorite thing about what they're doing is giving women from all different income levels all across the globe an opportunity to sell their handcrafted brands from clothing, jewelry, whatever it is. And it's truly inspiring. And you can tell in her voice and her energy how connected she is to this mission and how connected she is to this brand. It all happened in 2020. I like to call them the COVID entrepreneurs where she was thrown in to a leadership role alongside her older sister and then another female founder. So this conversation is full of so much authenticity. The mission behind it is just so incredibly inspiring. Starting a business when she had no idea that that's what she was doing and so much more. So I hope you all enjoy this conversation. And it is your reminder that we have different seasons in our life and to enjoy the
1: seasons that you are in. Tinsley Paul is on the other side. So being the youngest of five, we have a 10-year you know, span yep. between my eldest sister, Brittany, who's a co-founder of her story, and, um, and me. And so it goes girl, yeah. boy, girl, boy, girl. And so I think I am definitely was the go with the flow, like thrown in the car, left at home sometimes. My siblings would call me Matilda. They're like, Tinsley knew how to make pancakes at the age of two because we were going to soccer practice and mom was all over the place, place. dropping everyone off. And I was like, no, it's fine. I'll make the banana pancakes. Like, we're good to go. So I was always very self-sufficient. Yeah. Um. And I was always kind of a little entrepreneur. Like I I was always coming up with little ways to like make extra cash from whether it was my siblings or my dad. I would set up lemonade stands in our house for my siblings to pay me to make them them lemonade. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) like I got this from the fridge. Don't tell anyone else.
1: (laughs) Literally.
0: And then you followed or I, I don't like the word followed, but you followed their lead to mm-hmm. Dallas and went to school at SMU. Yes. Which is where you pursued that entrepreneurial spirit inside of you. Looking back at your younger self, you kind of just alluded to, are there a few things that, looking back on now, you noticed about yourself that led you down the path of entrepreneurship?
1: Yeah, I think I always had really amazing women in my life. And then I always had leaders. My dad was an entrepreneur, um, since he was young. And so I think looking at him, he always was like, no, you know, no stars too far out of your reach. You can, you can always do it. You can always create it. And then I saw my sister Brittany when I was the age of nine, she was 19 going to Uganda, starting a nonprofit on her own, just traveling there with friends. And so I think I've always seen really you know, amazing, inspiring people do things that felt like it couldn't have been attainable, you know, and then going to SMU, which you guys probably know, but there's something weird in the water at SMU where like all of these women are starting these incredible businesses, businesses. whether it be, you know, Whitney Wolf with Bumble or Amber Vence Box with Rewards i Like to Know It or my sister Brittany with Acola. There's just so many people who've done such incredible things at such a young age in Mm -hmm. college. And so I think that really put a fire in my belly that made me believe that, you know, I could do more than the typical, probably 18 year old would think they'd be able to achieve. Having a mentor or leader
0: has been something that's completely transformed my life. And there's so much impact that you can learn. I'm going to start with your job with Bumble, what's one thing that working for that CEO taught you about entrepreneurship as a whole?
1: I mean, in the startup journey, you're just kind of thrown in with the wolves, right? And I think what was so fun with Bumble is I never knew what, Bumble was going to be when, mm-hmm. you know, Whitney and Alex Williamson popped into Kappa when I'm 18 saying, hey, we need an intern to help us with X, Y, and Z. We're starting a dating app and dating apps weren't even a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? so for me, I was like, oh, this is a really cool opportunity to learn what a startup looks like, having seen what my sister Brittany had done with her company, Ecola. And so I dove in to this social media internship, having no idea, you know, what, startup looks like and at the time it was just whitney alex and then two other interns they had so i think being able to have the opportunity to actually um see what you can do in a company so quickly and then also just learning that like no company has it together in the beginning Mm. it's kind of a free-for-all and what really drives a company is the backbone of the founder In the beginning, and I think that's what Whitney had. She had a story and a reason and a passion for what she was doing. So the biggest thing I learned with Bumble is just, wow, if you have an idea and you believe in it, you can make anything happen.
0: How do you believe there's a lot of people with ideas, but what do you feel she did differently with her idea to execute the way she did with Bumble?
1: I think... She, when she started Bumble, she didn't strategically make the company. Um, I think for her, when she started Bumble, it was because there were situations that happened to her in her past that Mm -hmm. she was not okay with. And she was going to make a difference and she was going to create a solution to that problem. And I think Bumble came about trying to say this isn't okay and I'm standing for something more. And I think that's why it's turned into what it has today. Um, so I do think when people have, you know, a fire under their belly and they say, I'm not going to stick with the status quo. I'm not taking this as an, okay, I'm going to be treated this way and I'll swallow my pride. But instead saying, no, I'm going to make a difference. I don't want anyone else to ever deal with what I dealt with that's when you say like, wow, this founder's done something like unbelievable. And I think Whitney came into the scene and was like, I'm making a difference. And that's what made her really successful.
0: Is there one quality or trait or piece of advice that you took away from her that you've carried throughout your entire journey?
1: So I was more underneath Alex Williamson, who was kind of her right-hand woman okay, um, at the time, and I think what I learned from her and kind of seeing the journey of Bumble is you can grow so much faster with a team, and I think for what they did, they were able to go into SMU campus, right, and really believe mm-hmm. in young leaders that would be able to build out this campus representative structure that made Bumble grow so quickly and went into Alabama and all these other schools, Vanderbilt. And so I think the biggest learning experience for me was understanding, you know, young talent can sometimes be the best talent. Yeah. And if you could get a group of women together and they build together, that's where you see, you know, the most success and the most impact.
0: Being a young female in that space at such a young age is an is an opportunity. It's definitely a blessing. What was the biggest challenge that you faced being so young and probably a little bit naive in that startup fast paced world?
1: I think for me, the biggest learning experience that I was able to see um, and grow from between, you know, Bumble and Acola. And reward style is really seeing what it means to be a leader and being able to, you know, own your position as like a founder and what it means to be able to say, you know, I don't know everything that I'm going into right now, but I want to learn together with everyone behind me. So not necessarily thinking you're the smartest person in the room, but instead really um, surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you, more experienced than you. And being able to grow from that, and I think being in startup, you're able to get your hands in so many different um, buckets that by the time your team grows to, you know, 5, 10, 15 people, you realize, wow, these are my strengths, but where my weaknesses are, that's where I need to bring in other people who know what they're doing and can really help me grow and transform, you know, my original concept.
0: Looking back as we kind of dive into your whole journey to support her story, looking back on all of your experiences, are there a few things that you either took away or a few synchronicities, if you will, that kind of led you down your path of her story?
1: There are so many, (laughs) so many obviously things that happened. I think what's really interesting with her story is it wasn't strategic. It wasn't planned. I wasn't, you know, planning on creating um, this concept where women could come behind each other and be able to cross promote one another and, and grow. But it happened based on all of the different internships and life experiences I had kind of brought me there. And I think it's funny looking back now, every single internship I took, a lot of different classes conversations i had with professors at smu it all gave me traits to allow me to create a platform like her story and it took so many different speaking of mentors you know mentors to really teach me lessons throughout my mm-hmm. journey that led me um to her story and that took you know leaving Pear and growing from that during COVID and understanding events and technology. And it took me working at reward style and understanding what influencer marketing means and, and why Amber kind of created that. Um, and it took me Bumble and looking at what, you know, Whitney did saying, you know, I'm going to make a change and women should be able to make the first move. And that was really the first wave of, okay, wh- women have control, right? Women, yeah. women can own the, the narrative, own their own narrative. And then looking at my sister Brittany with a cola, understanding what, you know, social business, social impact meant mm-hmm. and the difference that you can make in communities, but more so the difference communities can make in you.
0: You mentioned this to me that her story all started at the root. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for the audience? It's
1: an interesting way to phrase it so back in 2020 um i was gung-ho into um my company pair and you know i was the face of pair i was so excited it was all about um experiential events and being able to bring people together i think my the one thing that you'll hear reiterated over and over again is community and bringing people together Mm -hmm. and networking like that's always been something that's a part of who I am and what I've done. Um, and so when we were building out the software, I think, you know, something that was really difficult when COVID hit was all of a sudden, it was all about events and bringing people together, IRL in person. And then all of a sudden COVID happens and we think it'll be a week, two weeks, and this is happening. And then before we know it, right, the whole world shuts down and events, we can't not only have events, events are illegal, so, yeah. like, we we can't even, like, bring people together if we wanted to. And so we obviously piv- pivoted to virtual experiences. And I think during that time, I got to look at all of these different brands we had worked with and women I would worked with in the past. And seeing the fact that they had put so much time and energy into these companies and those that weren't able to move to direct-to-consumer as quickly as possible or didn't have those platforms— they were dying. Yeah. And, you know, wholesale and retail, they were dying. So they couldn't take care of these smaller businesses. The ones they were going to take care of are obviously the ones that were their their money makers. And so looking at, you know, how her story started, it was a conversation. Um, my sister came to me and she had started at Cola, as I mentioned, when she was 19 and was working with 250 women in Uganda who not only in Uganda, they're dealing with COVID, right? Mm -hmm. And you're shut off from the rest of the world and their government. But on top of that, she didn't know if Okola was going to make it like to the next month after spending over 15 years, you know, doing what she was doing. And a lot of that had to do with, they really based their survival on wholesale partnerships and, and retail partnerships. And so we started seeing this reoccurring conversation with people of just like, Oh my God! What do I do? Where do I go? How do I, you know, convert? And with those conversations, we were able to create support her story within two weeks with our friend Whitney, who started Miracle Milk Cookies, another community based right company for moms. And through conversations, we were like, let's just throw together a subscription box, and we're going to get. 25 brands on board from texas and new york and we'll support them and sell through their inventory and then we can cross promote each other And we'll be able to grow our audiences organically because none of us can afford marketing right like great idea passion project will work and before we know it, you know four weeks after having initial conversations about this we are hand delivering (laughs) like supporter story luxury subscription box door-to-door in dallas And we had all of the packaging, like at white glove, (laughs) truly. And if you asked me five weeks ago, I would, I will not be delivering, you know, you know, boxes to people's doors. But it just happened that way. Mm -hmm. And then after, you know, the subscription box kind of took off during Mother's Day. This question, you know, popped in all of our heads. Where Whitney is the CEO of Miracle Milk Cookies, right? Brittany is the CEO of Acola. I was the CRO of. Hey, Art, who's gonna grow this company? We we don't yeah. have time. This is supposed to be a passion project, and so when I say it started from the root, like truly, there was no, um, there was no idea of like a business or a business structure, and then um, all of a sudden the question came. But these businesses need to be supported, and these mm-hmm. brands want to come up behind each other and share each other's stories, and they want to share their mission and their products, and so I think that. You know, initial moment of saying, wait, there's an opportunity to actually change the narrative of retail. There's an opportunity to mm-hmm. give brands the margin. Who's going to do it if we don't do it? And that was the moment I was like, okay, this is my mission and this is my passion. And everything I've done in the past has kind of brought me to this moment. My favorite
0: part about our conversation before we got on this podcast and everything that you've done is that it's so mission driven. Yeah. And you hear a lot, and I had a conversation earlier about there's always entrepreneurs are always solving a problem. It's something that they've had issues with in their past. But I think for yeah. you, not only are you solving a problem, but I feel like it's so driven by helping others and serving something big, bigger than yourself, which I feel is so unique. You did what I think a lot of people don't do or they get stuck. What advice would you give for someone that has an idea or something circling in their head that's mission driven, that's passion driven,
1: but they don't know what to do next or they fear taking that next step? Conversation. I think as soon as you have an idea, I think there's a misconception and I think it's easier, right, when you're you're mission driven, right? You don't have your end goal isn't the margin or what you're making. Um But being able to have a conversation and talk to multiple people in multiple fields who've done similar things, totally different things, who've been leaders and say, hey, I think this is going to make a difference. But you tell me, is this really where the help needs to be? Like, is this meaningful if I put my time into this? And I think it's really important to have those conversations with people because you might think an idea is going to change the narrative. You might think an idea is going to help a community, but then if you talk to the community, the community might say, thank you so much for being willing to help, but this is actually where we need help, not here. And being able to listen, take feedback, and then pivot your concept, not your ethos, right, but your concept based on what's actually needed. And I think that's what we did with her story is, yeah, a subscription box worked at that time, at Mm -hmm. that moment, But that's not what the brands needed. And subscription models, you can't provide the margin you want to to the brand, which is the overall issue. And so it turned into a marketplace where it's all about the brand, right? Mm -hmm. And the brand owning that margin and owning their way of storytelling and sharing their impact. But I would have never known that if I hadn't listened and talked to so many other founders who said, this is where we need help. This is where we're struggling.
0: I think the challenge there usually comes from ego we're going to be honest. Mm -hmm. I have this idea and you're connected on a soul level to this one idea. And then when someone kind of says, maybe let's lean more to the left or more to the right, it's like we're so focused on A that we can't even see what's around us. How did you wrap your head around the idea of pivoting for the future of your business when maybe you were stuck more on this option A?
1: So I think I was very lucky because I wasn't planning on building a business because her story wasn't my original concept or idea of what it was. It was really easy to pivot because we never knew it was going to be what it is today. And so it allows you to not have an ego because you're kind of just throwing spaghetti on the wall, right? And you're like, tell me what I can do to help. Tell me where I can, you know, make a bigger difference. And why am I putting my time into this if it's not making a difference for you? Because I'm not getting anything out of it, right? So I want to make sure you're getting something out of it. Um, And I think going back to, you know, hair and a company that I strategically was like, this is where we need to go and this is where we're going. And as soon as obviously COVID happened and then all of a sudden we had to pivot to virtual experiences, that fire, you know, stopped igniting in my belly. Mm -hmm. And I think that happens to a lot of founders is you have this idea and you're like, this is what it's going to be. And I'm not going to stop until I get there and cross the finish line. Right. And you're it's like me 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 this is who I am this is my company this is really how I identify myself is Mm -hmm. through my company it's very scary like if you really think about it that's the way you feel about yourself and your company is giving you your identity how are you ever going to pivot or change because you feel like you're changing yourself but I think if you're able to take a step back and you really do have you know a mission and a purpose and it's Beyond you whether it's about your customer, whether it's about the brand, whether it's about a narrative that needs to be changed or um, you know a movement, if you're able to look farther out, then you can make the decision based on other people rather than based on yourself.
0: You made a really good point that you're pivoting not your ethos, but the direction or the product or whatever it is you're offering. How do you know? the difference between the two, I think the lines can get drawn as say, and I'm going to give like an example is someone gives you feedback on a product. And I had a guest that was like, don't listen to the 1% cater to the 99%. But I think it's easy for founders to hear feedback of like, this is really working. We love this and then change their whole mission and everything around that. And then it's like, okay, now you're kind of going off track. And maybe that's where the fire dies. It's because you're like, okay, now you're changing everything. So how did you stay on track with the fire inside of you and with your mission and not go too far left or right?
1: I think it's really important for every founder to have a North Star. Love this. And a why. And for me, my North Star was always, how can I create more employment for women around the world. And what that meant is create more employment for artisans around the world. And the answer for me has been, if you support small businesses and small brands, they employ the artisans who then can take care of their children, who can go to school. And you know, it's all a trickle- down effect, right? But that's my North Star. And so every day, when I wake up in the morning, am I doing what my North star, is, right? And I think the same thing for your why. Your meaning, what is my why? My why is I know that I want to bring women together. What that means, how I do it, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. as long as I'm bringing women together. And so if I wake up in the morning and I ask myself is what I'm doing today, you know, reaching my why and it's not why am I spending time on it if there's no meaning there? And I think a lot of people go down, you know, a five-year journey, whether it's building a business, whether it's in a relationship, and you look back and you're like, oh, my gosh. What was I every, doing? What was I doing? There was no meaning behind anything I was doing. And so you can wake up every morning and say, what's my North Star and what's my why? And you can say, oh, my gosh, I am achieving that today. Then you can check the box and say, okay, I'm moving in the right direction. It's worth it, even though... This happened or that happened. It's worth it because I'm I'm doing my why. I'm reaching my North Star. How did you find or come up with your North Star? I think for me, I was able to see what model was created. And I keep going back to Acola, um, the company my sister Brittany started, because it was really the first social impact brand to ever make, you know, Headline News, be in Neiman Marcus, make a difference and create sustainable change. And I think there is a lot of misconception on impact models, right? Giving back, cause marketing. We use these trend words all the time. Like, what does it mean? And my answer when people ask me about it, right, is I'm glad all of these companies are doing good. Whether it's on purpose or not, Mm -hmm. you know, they're giving back and that's great. And that's, you know, all you can ask for. But is it sustainable change? No, a lot A lot of it's not. Yeah. And with Acola, what they were able to build was an opportunity of understanding if we take care of the woman and we give her work, so we give her opportunity to work, we give her vocational training, she will then not only take care of her own kids, but she'll take care of her friend's kids when they get sick. She'll make sure she's paying the school fees so then her sons and daughters right, can learn how to... Build the next generation and the men can become, you know, quality leaders, right? And not leave their families. And the women can learn, I can work and take care of my family too. And I can be a powerful person within my community. But it all starts with the woman, right? And so I think for me, my North Star was really created based off of that sustainability model that Brittany was able to learn over 20 years and it took 20 years, right. Of what worked. And so when I look back at, you know, why do I do what I do? It's because the more women you can empower to have job opportunity, the more people who are going to be impacted by the masses.
0: Was there a story? I know you had the opportunity of going over to Africa often mm-hmm. and especially Uganda was there a particular moment in your journey that lit the fire inside of you that this is what I wanted to do and this is who I want to give back to
1: yes i brittany tells this story so beautifully um but i was 14 so she was 24 at the time and it was my first time going to uganda and i went by myself so i flew through amsterdam Um, I get to Entebbe, the airport um, in Uganda, and my sister picks me up, and it's nighttime. It's about 7 p.m., and we are um, we stop at a hotel. We stay there overnight. I'm very, like, suspicious. I'm like, I don't feel comfortable. I feel fully out of my comfort zone. I don't really know where I am. I'm scared, like, will someone break through the door? You're sleeping on these cots with, you know, mosquito nets. And I never found myself as someone who— felt uncomfortable. I loved adventure. And there was some kind of feeling of like, I don't belong or, you know, I I feel not safe or, you know, all of those feelings when you're just in such a new environment. It's so unfamiliar. Yeah. And we arrived the next morning in Uganda in Jinja. And the women come out, and I had no idea what to expect, right? I knew these women are beautiful and hard workers, and I was so excited to meet them. But, like, what did that mean? I don't speak the same language as them. Mm -hmm. What am I really giving to them that's meaningful at 14? And they come in, and they're dancing and singing, and they grab my hands, and they wrap this cloth around my waist and they start teaching me how to dance the way they dance right yeah and it was something so beautiful and tears just started streaming down my face like uncontrollable uncontrollable tears and it's not even like the joy or the magnitude of love I felt but it was the acceptance of like these women were giving me everything they had like their light and their love and I'm like I don't deserve this. Like, why are you giving what can I give you? And it was the learning experience of like, it's relationships. Like yeah. it's not building someone a home. It's not painting something. It's not giving someone money or a handout or even a job. It's creating a relationship with them. And I uh, talked with Brittany later that night, like tears streaming down my face. And I was like, I don't get it. I, it doesn't make any sense. Like they don't have any of the material things we have, like none of it. Like they don't have TVs or shoes or, you know, they can't get their hair done. Like all of these like random things I'm rambling at 14. And I'm like, and they have more joy and love and gave mm-hmm. more to me today than anyone's ever given me in, in my lifetime. And she was like, yeah, they, they have spirit. And they're, they're willing, you know, to to love and to give. And she was like, that's the misconception. You go across the sea living in the U.S. and you're like, I'm going to volunteer and I'm giving this and I'm making a difference. And people tell me all the time with her, it's like, wow, you're doing so much good. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, no, I'm getting so much good. Like I'm being truly like poured into and all I can do is create a, pa- a platform and a microphone for other women to share their amazing stories and what they're doing. But that was that moment. I was like, oh my gosh, we all have it so wrong.
0: (laughs) And the most admirable thing about you is that you've carried that feeling into your business and you can tell through the way that you're talking and through the way that you're articulating, which I think is so incredible in a sense, because people could take that opportunity in a bunch of different ways. And the perspective that you had led you to where you are today shifting your mindset to that opportunity into the joy, into the Mm -hmm. feelings and really tuning in where I've talked a lot about this on this podcast. How have you continued that sense of joy and fulfillment throughout your life from the time
1: you're 14 to 28? I'm sure there's been a roadblock or two along the way. Yeah. I think, you know, my, my parents, um, were going through a divorce at the time when I went to Uganda. Um, and that's something, it was a, you know, long standing divorce. And that was definitely a difficult time. And I think the reason I didn't struggle, I think the way that a lot of people thought I would being the youngest and the only one still at home was because I had this light and I was yeah. given it, you know, by the women in Uganda and by traveling, I think for me, seeing other cultures and other countries and creating a relationship with people around the world through our differences, but also through our similarities is something that always created, you know, a spark inside me. And so finding that um, throughout my travels, throughout school, throughout studying, um, really kept, you know, that light um, continuing to kind of be in front of me and that North Star, whatever that meant. Um, and then I think as I went to college, you know, you can get really distracted in the little things. Um, and it's so fun and everyone should have a great time in college, but... Chelsea's corner. (laughs) Chelsea's corner. Um, but I think with that, um, because I was the youngest, I was really lucky that my siblings would always bring me back to earth. Um, and that was really important because I think the times that I would get lost and I would forget my purpose and my meaning and my why I would have my sister Brittany or my sister Lindsay or my dad saying, Tinsley don't forget like these yeah. are, these are the things you're passionate about and these are the things you love. And honestly, my profession, my professors too at SMU were incredible in the communications and marketing um, major at SMU, but that's, I had accountability. And so whether that's a mentor, right, a sibling, a parent, a professor, I think always having the people behind you who when you do go off track right and you're you're on this roller coaster putting you back putting you back in your place
0: having a fire inside of you i feel that everyone has it i'm not i can't generalize for an entire population but there's a lot of people who feel that inside of them And their logic or the outside world talks them out of it because maybe it's not they think they should be doing or it's not what everyone else around you is doing. What advice would you give for that person that feels some sort of passion or fire within them on pursuing that and letting go of fear, stopping them from going after it?
1: I think there's this idea of comfort and this idea of our track. I think people use the word, are you on track all the time, right? And I think, you know, we're told as a society, this is as a woman, for example, this is what you need to do. You need to go to college. You need to graduate with a good degree. You need to get a job, find a man or woman, right, who you fall in love with and that's your partner and you either, you know, have and start a family or you you know, work and do business and it's one or the other and these are the choices that you have. And I think when we're checking ourselves, whether it's every year, every month, every day, am I on track? That's the status quo we kind of stick to, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think people who have this fire in their belly, they feel like they have to sacrifice Mm -hmm. in order to achieve whatever their mission is. And I think there's a huge misconception On, you know, either I'm Mother Teresa over here or, you know, I have a family and I have a good time and I have a social life and there's no in between. And I think people really do have a hard time, you know, choosing one or the other. And my, you know, advice to them is. No, you can never balance it all. People will be like, I can balance it. I am the CEO of a company and I'm married and I have kids and I have this. You can do it all, you know, and you're told that and you're like, I can't do it all. There's no way I can do that. And the answer is, no, you can't do it all right Mm -hmm. all the time, but you can have it all and you can choose to, you know, make decisions that are right for yourself. And yes, sometimes when I'm a really good businesswoman, I'm not a great wife. Right, And sometimes when I'm a really great wife, I'm not the best businesswoman, but it's choosing to make um, priority shifts based on what matters to you at that time because of that fire in your belly. And so, yeah, my, my biggest advice to people is follow it. Follow your passion and don't check if you're on track. No one is on track. And the people who are sometimes are the saddest, most miserable people because Mm -hmm. they let go of all of these, you know, dreams and aspirations they had because they thought this is what I have to do to be happy. And then they sit down with themselves or they go to the therapist and they're like, why am I still not happy? I did everything everyone told me to do. What did I do wrong? And the answer is they didn't listen to the fire in their belly. They didn't check on their why or their North Star.
0: Turning inward has been the biggest thing that I've done for myself and my self-development and really understanding what's important to me how do you stay grounded navigating both being newly married and running a business you kind of mentioned you lean sometimes more towards the other are there certain tactical things that you do to bring yourself back to center
1: yeah so i am a big person of prayer um that's and its internal prayer for me um but that's definitely something everyone has their meditation their yoga yeah I wish I could say I did all of it. That would be the goal. <laughs> but like we said, priority shifting. I, I haven't Honesty been is all we Haven't need. been able to <laughs> sit out on my porch and meditate as much as I would love to. Um, but that's really that's something that's really important to me um, in my spirit. And then really being able to have you know in depth conversations um, with my mentors and people mean a lot to me, whether it's family, friends, um, people in the space, other women who are dealing with things that I am. But I think being able to be honest about where you're at is so important because I I actually was in California at the Vista Summit and Uh, the founder of Drybar, was speaking and she was talking about... I just talked about her earlier. Really? So weird. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Yes, Ali's amazing. She, oh my gosh, such a good speaker. And her new husband was there and he's a um, coach. And so he was kind of talking through this idea of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And it just like, it was so funny because it rang such a bell for me. And I know all of the other, you know, entrepreneurs who are in the room at the time, but there is this feeling when you're building a company and when you're, you know, so focused on being able to, you know, be in quotes, successful, whatever that means, whether it's success and impact, whether it's success monetarily, whether it's success in, your relationship or how you carry yourself or what other people view you as um, there's an imposter syndrome. And when you're really successful, I think you feel that a lot when you're not successful, you also feel that all the time. Um, And I appreciated that because I do think we all go through this idea of like, am I pretending to be someone I'm not like, how am I here? How am I in the room with such incredible women and people? um, And there's a question you have, within yourself all the time that's like wait I don't get it like why am I a part of this do I belong here um and I think the answer is like we all have to have imposter syndrome to bring ourselves back to earth and realize you know we we really do have to have that feeling to understand like None of us deserve to be here, but we're Mm -hmm. here for a reason and we have a purpose. Um, And so I really appreciated listening to that because a lot of times we all talk about the things we do or how we're driven or who we compare ourselves to or who we work for. But in the end, it's understanding like we're all imposters, right? And in this world, but as long as we're doing what's meaningful to us, it doesn't matter. It just gives you that backbone and that strength to keep going.
0: It could be at the summit, but what's one of the best pieces of advice that you've gotten from another entrepreneur that has really impacted your journey and your story today?
1: Definitely, um, always find meaning and purpose in your work and be willing to shift your priorities. Um, Collaborate. I think for me, I've been able to be surrounded with a lot of women entrepreneurs who are also mompreneurs, right? So- um, they have kids. They've kind of grown their business from, you know, where I was even, at, you know, 26 to now they have three children and they have their business and it's growing, you know, leagues ahead. And they're able to really share what it means to prioritize um, what you're doing. And a lot of that has to do with what's most meaningful to you. So family in this season is the most important, right? Like I said earlier, When I'm a really good wife, I'm not the best businesswoman, right? And when I'm a really good businesswoman, like, I'm not always the best wife or I'm not taking care of myself or working out or doing prayer, the things that obviously make me happy. Um, And so I think being able to hear from other women and their advice of being able to shift your priorities, meaning living in seasons like we talked about, um, just because this season is really hard and I have to be really focused on the business right now so we can get to the next part in January, right? And be able to bring on more of these brands. I need to know that in January I can shift seasons and then I can spend more time with family, right? And I can push over some of those needs um, to my team to be able to get done and be able to let go of some of those reins. Um, And I think a lot of us, you have a lot of trouble letting go of all the reins, right? And if you hold mm. all of them, you're holding the reins of your relationship and you're holding the reins of your business and you're holding the reins of your family and your health and all of these things like so tightly, at some point the horse is going to buck you off, right? Like you can't hold that tightly. Um, and I think that's really hard for us to like loosen, loosen up the reins on certain parts of our life in different seasons. And that's the best advice I've been given because – it's so true. Uh you really do have to let certain things go or not be the best at one thing or the other um because you can't you can't balance it all and every season has meaning and purpose. How do you let go yourself? Let go
0: of like how did you learn to let go of control I of the reins?
1: Yeah, it's 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 common. It's By holding on to the reins and getting bucked off. <laughs> That's how I learned oh. to let go. She, she it, got totally kicked I off. I got fully <laughs> kicked off the horse a couple of times. And I was like, okay, okay, I can get back on. And this yes. time, I'm going to give it a little more slack. Um, no, it definitely took failing and falling and breaking down. Um, something a lot of founders, especially women entrepreneurs, I've talked to, deal with exhaustion. And this isn't like, oh, I'm so tired this morning. Like I don't want to wake up. No, like physical exhaustion. Like we'll go to the hospital, have to get an IV because they weren't getting enough sleep. They start having like fainting episodes. They don't feel good. And no one really talks about this. This is I've had this conversation with like eight other female founders in Texas who've dealt with this. And I I don't think people like to talk about it. That's so sad. Um, But it's your body is not built to do everything so when you hold on to all of the reins like that of course like if everything else doesn't give out on you meaning right you don't give out on your relationship you don't give out on um work certain times different things your health is yeah your health your body's gonna be like i can't do that like i actually can't do this and so i think it took having that crisis myself to be like oh my gosh i've got to take care of my body and all of the other things, but know that there are there are certain times to do more. Um, and so that was definitely, you know, a wake-up call for me is one of those times where I got exhausted and I like, it was scary. Like I literally just passed out on the floor and there was no reason for it, like anything like that. And I went to the doctor and they took blood and everything. And they're like, no, you're totally fine, but your iron levels are so low because like, are you taking care? Are you getting sleep? Are you taking care of yourself? I'm like, Oh, I forgot about myself. That, that's a good point. I should probably get yeah. some sleep. Prescription and, is not. Yeah. <laughs> but I do. I think yeah. being able to take care of yourself too is so important because if not, you are going to fall off the horse and and something's got to give, you know. I
0: love what you've talked about in seasons and leaning into what that season of life is giving to you, which requires you to be present and to understand that. What advice would you give to people on leaning into that and not trying to change or control the season that they're in of life?
1: It's really hard, right? Because we're all, we all want to be in control of our own fate and our Mm -hmm. own life and our own season. Um, But when you are present in it, like when you can just take on a season and go, okay, this is going to be a tough one. We're going to have to get through this and this, but enjoying the silver lining. You know, within it um, and really taking it on head first and saying, when I start this season, you know, this is where I was. And when I ended it, look at how far we've come. Yeah. You know, look at all of the things we did. And I always tell people, you know, it, it said a lot, but it really is about the journey. Like yeah. the journey is the part that we learn the most from. It's where we gain all of our relationships and our network and our communities. You mm-hmm. know, that's where we build them. Um, and so I think for people who, really want to control their seasons, they miss out on experiencing them. And if you don't experience it, then you can't reflect and say, wow, these are the things that I was able to learn about myself or learn about these other people who really blessed me during that time. Um, So I think the more present you can be, the more you can really build relationships within those seasons.
0: Enjoying the process is something that I'm often told when I'm leaning more into impatience or I am wanting something so badly. And that's something that I talk to myself a lot about is just, hey, be present here and now. This is all you have and it's it's all part of the process. And you said something along the journey, which I think is super important. That's dive into every opportunity and don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. Why is that so important for something that's for someone that's wanting to pursue entrepreneurship?
1: If you only dipped your toe in, you probably wouldn't jump in. (laughs) True, facts. (laughs) So that's the first step. (laughs) You have to dive in because if you put your toe in that cold water, you might not choose to. Too cold, other way. way. (laughs) Moving this way. Um, No, but I think diving in is so important because it's not until you're fully immersed within what you're doing that you can really understand where things need to be done, where things need to be changed, how how narratives or um, opportunities can be, um, you know, changed and twisted. And so if you dive into every opportunity, then you're able to see all of the different things that are in front of you. And the more you get your hands dirty and the more you do the work, I always tell um, all of the different employees that we bring on in the beginning, I want you to do every part of your role to start, even the tiny tedious things. And then you can bring on an intern, right? Who can help you with this. And then they can bring on someone else who can help you so you can get more done. But I need you to get your hands dirty first so you can understand where the best efficient process is and how Mm. it can be done. Um, And I think a lot of times we look at founders five, 10, 20 years down the line, and we're about to start a business, right? And you look and you're like, oh my gosh, she she doesn't go to any of those pop-ups. Like She doesn't move the boxes. Why would I move the boxes? I'm going to hire someone to move the boxes mm-hmm. for me, right? Or I'm going to hire someone to go to this event for me or to do the tagging for my e-commerce website. And what you realize is every single successful founder did the dirty work in the beginning because yep. it took them doing the dirty work to understand efficiently what needed to be done to create a successful business. Um, And I think because entrepreneurs and founders are romanticized now, I think there's a lot of amazing, like, Apple shows about, you know, WeWork and Uber and, you know, all of these, like, big, you know, businesses. And you think of these founders as, like, extraterrestrial, you know. And the real thing is, is they they were the ballet guy at one point or they were the one who was pulling the boxes out of the car you know blood sweat and tears Um, but I think a lot of people want to skip a lot of steps and then Mm -hmm. have a successful company and if you're even able to skip all those steps or seasons right then you get there and everything falls apart because you had no chance to create a foundation that was steady and strong and so it takes getting your hands dirty to really know this is the efficient process I need to create so then we can continue to grow and build. The
0: most inspiring thing for me with talking with entrepreneurs is that every journey is different, but the journey is what people connect to. It's what people resonate with. And it's the struggles and the obstacles that each and every person has had to overcome that have inspired me to get there because you hit the nail on the head. We glamorize. And even for me, sometimes it's like, well, why do you want to do this? Except for the title, or because you want, you think it's cool. When in reality, there's so much tedious work. And I had this conversation earlier like 30% of it is what you see, yeah. even with this podcast. Like you yeah. see an outcome, but what went into all of that? There's a million things, and people don't see that. And that's what I hope people get away from these episodes is like the challenges that each person goes through and the struggles and the sacrifices and the compromise, because that's what you emotionally connect to. It's the emotion in those struggles that people can connect to and resonate with. And that's what gets you to the other side. Like that's what's kept me going is every story that's like, I was at this place and I wanted to quit. And then I did this and everything after that, not everything, but it 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 turned a corner. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, that's really the story that people connect to the most.
1: Well, and I think listening to the call, you know, whatever that Mm -hmm. call is for you, if you can listen to it and you can hear it. And like you said, like when that fire is in your belly and the first thing, the first step, talk about it, like talk about that fire, like talk to other people and get there. And then I also think, you know, there's a, there's a misconception on, I have to build it either on my own or I have to start this company right? Which I think a lot of people feel. They're like, I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to work for myself. So I need to start the company. And I think a lot of people miss out on the fact that there could be Thousands of startups, right, that have one or two employees that are doing something either really similar to you or need to be changing into what maybe an idea you have. And so merging with other founders Mm. is also something that really isn't talked about that is so needed because we have so many entrepreneurs, you know, in the U.S. and around the world. And we need supporters, too. Like we need operational managers. We need CMOs, COOs, uh, CROs. Um, you know, creative directors. And so something I also urge people to do before starting a business, like when you're having these conversations, which is why I always say that's the first step is, is anyone else doing something similar to you that's trying to make an impact, right? Or trying to create a solution that you want to create. And have you ever tried to talk to them? Because that's something that I think really needs to be done. And what I've learned with her story is collaboration, sure is truly the most successful formula. We are always stronger together. We are always stronger with multiple creative minds. And so if you can find someone who's building something or has an idea too, and they might be a couple steps ahead of you, like talk with them and see, is this something we can do together and make a bigger impact, impact. because of it? And what I've seen with her story is collaboration is not only you know today, but collaboration is our future. And the more you see these capsule collections, right, and fashion, the more you see um, women coming together and starting their own initiatives, right, um, brand X brand. Um, it's going to be so much more than mm-hmm. that as we continue um, to kind of grow in this movement of, you know, we are better together. We're bigger together. We make a bigger impact together. Um, so I do, I challenge people to really think about that too, because when we go back to ego in the beginning, right, you don't have to be the one yeah. to start your business. With her story, I was not the one who started my business. Like Brittany, Whitney, and I came together better. and it was really Brittany and Whitney who were on a FaceTime call with Leith, my nephew, and Stella, her daughter, and they're talking about oh my God, look at what's happening with Miracle Milk right now. I'm so scared. Like in the pandemic, are people still going to, you know, order these lactation cookies? And is my company going to go underwater? And Brittany's talking about a cola. She gives me a call and she's like, Whitney and I, we're having this conversation and we're really worried about, you know, women entrepreneurs. I know you're dealing with this with pair right now. Would you want to kind of come and like execute this and help us make it happen? I would have never thought about support your story that, or yeah. doing that. You know what I mean? I, I want to help and I want to work with women, but it took my sister giving me that call to say, Hey, here's an opportunity to make a difference. You want to come in on this? And now I'm the one running it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it you have to also be able to separate your ego and say, I might be the person to come in and make that difference, but I might not be making the original, you know, idea or concept. And again, being able to pivot and change and really grow from that
0: not coming in with the initial idea but being brought in and then now running it what's the biggest thing that you've learned throughout that entire process the shift from
1: kind of being a third party to being in charge being able to have an opinion Really being able to come in and say, you know, listen first, always listen first. You will learn so much and you will always have better feedback for that. But I've always been the person, whether it was through writing essays and editing, right? Or helping friends through relationship advice, like all these things. I am much better at someone coming to me and saying, hey, you know, here's my thought or here's my essay or here's my pitch. And then I look at it and I can say, this is how we can optimize this pitch. This is how mm-hmm. we can change this and make it better, more efficient, more catchy, whatever that is. And that's, a, that's one of my strengths, right? Yeah. Um, and I come up with ideas all the time, but those ideas might flop, right? Yeah. <laughs> they might not actually stick to the wall. But I think I'm really good at keeping things sticky. And so understanding, I think, that that was my strength. Yeah. That was a great learning experience for me and saying, "Okay, I can take something and then I can optimize it, change it, and really turn it into something that can make a much bigger impact than maybe the the idea originally was. What's your key, your number one key or secret, if you will, to op- optimization within your business? Always being able to pivot, always being able to change and really staying up to date, not only on current events, meaning, the news but when I say listen have conversations get coffee with people I probably take anywhere between 15 to 20 meetings a week and even if that's a 15 minute phone call or a two-hour lunch I am always meeting with people who are smarter than I am Mm -hmm. and I'm always aware that they're smarter than I am right and and that's something that's really important because you can't you can't come up with all of the solutions. I mean, I'm sure if we called Elon Musk, he would say <laughs> a lot of the ideas, a lot of the ideas I've had, right? Maybe weren't all my own, you yeah, know? Yeah. And and a lot of people who were behind him who who changed or maybe he wouldn't. Who knows? <laughs> but but those are We don't um, want to find out. <laughs> we don't wanna find out. But those are kind of the um those are kind of the things that I feel like allowed me. Um, to grow in my journey and help her story grow is by listening and then being able to take feedback or ideas or what's even going on in other people's industries to say, ooh, we should be doing something like that or we should be working with them or we should be collaborating with them or, you know, how did they do something that, you know, was really difficult or flopped or failed? Listening to people's failures is always so important too. Um, being the youngest, I learned that really quickly because I was Same. like, OK, I'm not sneaking out at <laughs> one. I'm sneaking out at two because so, that's when my dad won't know. But like that, like, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> hey, literally is me. It's like, but it's learning from other people's People, mistakes yeah. so you don't have to make them. And that saved us so much money. Like yeah. we would have never been able to get her story to where it is today without learning from so many other people's, mm-hmm. you know, trial and error. So we didn't have to spend that money learning it you know
0: yeah i just wrote down something your take on collaboration overall as a whole reminds me of the rising tide lifts all boats mm-hmm. how do you keep that mentality and not look at collaboration and what other people are doing as a threat
1: i think i get to be in a very fun space where you know my goal is being a social business and I think, um, you know, it is hard for some businesses to get behind that concept because they always have to think about their investors and their bottom line. And, you know, a place that we get to be at is, I get to be the boss right now. Yeah. (laughs) And and where we're at, right? And I get to make those decisions and say, I want to focus on the brands and the brands are the most important and the brands are going to get the margin. And therefore, I want us all to grow together. And so I think I, you know, first and foremost, I get to be in a really special place where by having a social business, it gets to be on the forefront of your mind and you really get to make those, you know, decisions consciously. But on top of that, I have seen, I'm definitely an analytics nerd. I love seeing like when things are successful, why are they successful? Like, what were the points of this, that? Um, And what I've been able to see is, We truly are not only stronger together emotionally, right, through a movement, but truly, if you look at Acola's following on Instagram and through their customers, right, and who they're reaching, and let's say it's really based around luxury impact customers in the Southeast. Let's say that's their majority. And then you talk to, you know, Mignon Gavigan, who's also in jewelry. Maggie and Brittany are really good friends, and they're in New York, right? And again, luxury trend jewelry people know it's made in India people are you know they love that style and you look at how many followers they have on Instagram and you know how many customers they have in their database if you add the two up even after taking out right the amount that might cross over you're both growing together Mm -hmm. by sharing each other's story and by sharing each other's um kind of pool um, of customers because they're not only buying one pair of earrings or one bracelet and and the analytics show that and so I think a lot of people get scared well, I'll collaborate with her because she's in home and I'm in jewelry so as women yeah we are stronger together but I'm not collaborating with her who's in sustainable apparel and I'm in sustainable apparel because she's taking my margin right or she's taking a yeah. part of the pie and the answer is if you really look at the anal- she's not. You're actually making a larger pie together because more people are learning what sustainable clothing and sustainable brands, you know, do and mean. And more people want to purchase from you the more that you open up that vertical. Mm -hmm. Um, Two people I think who've done it really well in Dallas, Mirren Crosby and City Boots, two luxury cowboy boot company. And they talk about each other and, you know, they'll share each other's stories and they get behind each other and, You know, we'll do events and I think they learn a lot, but they're like, we're creating a new space that was not like luxury cowgirl boots. Like, and people are willing to spend thousands of dollars on cowgirl boots, right? So it's a win win for both of them to be successful and share each other's stories because they're saying, this is a new vertical and we're growing. And I think, you know, people are starting to learn that. And I think the longer you are in the business, the more you understand what collaboration really means. But it is still, um, you know, it's still a struggle sometimes. And I've had conversations with brands and I won't say who, but um, on email, we'll say, okay, we're so excited to have you on Her Story. And here are, you know, some of our social obligations. It's really important for you to share about at least five brands and the Her Story ecosystem to be a part of, you know, who we are as a conglomerate, like put your money where your mouth is kind of thing, right? Yeah. And I've had brands be like, oh, well, I have a million followers on Instagram and that artisan company only has 10,000 followers on Instagram. So why would I share about them when I'm not getting as much from them as they are from me? And I'll literally say, so it sounds like you're not a fit for her story because our goal is to uplift women, each other, right? And we want each other to to grow. It's not about how many apples Susie has or, or Caroline has. And so, you know, that's a huge important takeaway for me when we're choosing brands to come Mm -hmm. onto her story is you need to want to uplift the, the underdog, right? The smaller communities, because we want to grow together. It's not who's growing quicker, who has more. And I've had so many brands after being like, oh, then I, then I don't think you're, you know, a good fit for the movement, because this is what obviously we believe in. They're like, oh, no, 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 that's not what I meant. I just meant like, what I, I was meaning, what am I getting? No, 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 it's totally fine. Because people don't, I think they don't realize what they're saying. Yeah, until they, it's verbal. Until it's verbal, and then you're retold it. And you're like, no, that's not what I meant. I want to support other women. But they're so used to negotiating mm-hmm. as business women on like, yeah, of course, it needs to be mutually beneficial, of course. But that doesn't mean you can't support other brands that aren't you know to your caliber yet you're stronger together because people are discovering new trends and they're you know mm-hmm. making an impact in whether it's africa or south america or wherever that might be so i think we're definitely you know rewriting a narrative um for women where yes we all say woman empowerment we all say women supporting women but are we actually doing, doing it and i think her story creates that opportunity for women to say yeah we're actually doing it I
0: always think back to that person that has a million followers probably got some help or someone helped them along the way. Mm -hmm. And anytime I catch myself or I hear someone else, there's always someone that helped you get to where you are. And my thing is the least I could do is help them. Yeah. And even with this podcast, like I never look at any of that type of stuff. Because at the end of the day, it's I if if I can give you the opportunity for you to share your story, that is enough for me. And like that's enough for the other person that's listening to this. And so when you're and I think your why is so much bigger than you or your business. It's so it's so service and mission driven that you can't even really fall into that mindset because you're thinking and you're driven towards something that's bigger than most people think on a everyday basis.
1: No, for sure, and I, I think every woman, if you took a step back, right, if you yeah. really thought through, how did I get here, right? They wouldn't have that same mentality or answer. But I think, especially we're go, 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 yeah, on to the next thing. We only have so much time, and so choosing to give back some of your time or energy or company promotion on a platform like Instagram, right? We're we're always, you know, negotiating what you're getting or who's getting what that you do have to take a step back to say, oh, right. I, I totally got help and assistance here. I would, I would never be here. Um, Right. And I think we all have that um, genuine desire Mm -hmm. to give back. Um, I think just sometimes we can be blinded by, you know, what's, what's right in front of us. You know what I mean? Rather than um, looking back at at the little guy and saying, wait, I want to help them grow because someone else did helped that for me, me grow. Yeah. And even if they didn't, right? Because there are also women who'll be like, I did not get help on this. You know what I mean? Like I had to do this all by myself. And yes, I'm sure they had some help, but like this was me. I didn't get assistance here, here, here. Why should I, you know, help this person? And if they took a step back, right? Yeah. They would say, Oh, because I wish someone was there to help me, me. right, and uplift because, again, we're stronger together. So I think it's not that anyone doesn't have the mentality. I think it's more that people are such in a hurry. They're not present, right, as you were saying earlier, um, that they don't have the opportunity to think through their why or their North Star or what's meaningful to them. And the moment they do, then they're like, oh, my God, this is such an amazing opportunity. What's
0: the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself through your journey in building a business? All of the things I
1: don't know. I I think, um, you know, especially in my like early mid-20s, you kind of have this feeling, and being the youngest probably is a huge part of this too, you feel like you know a lot. Like even though you're you're young, like you feel like you've learned a lot, you've done a lot. And there's this mentality of like, I can learn it. I can do it. I can get it done. And I think the more I, you know, have grown into her story and the other businesses I was a part of, the more I realized, oh, my gosh, there's so much I don't Don't know. know. And that's invigorating. That's so exciting. Like, Mm -hmm. it's so fun not to know and, like, have the unknowns in front of you um, and be willing to kind of navigate those waters um, and be willing to ask for help, obviously, when you need it. Um, But I do think, you know, for me, I can say out of the, you know, six years, let's say, you know, I've been doing marketing or eight years doing marketing, every single day I learn something new. Mm -hmm. And I think with her story, I get to learn a new story. And as you said, right, the journey you learn so much from one person's journey mm-hmm. i've gotten to learn 250 women's journeys from around the world whether it's you know brazil uganda south africa um the philippines and to me the the connection between this web of of stories and journeys and things you know that we've all learned is we have so many similarities mm-hmm. so many women have the same insecurities the same you know, problems and solutions that they had to create. And I think sometimes we always talk about our differences, right? Like, yeah, go to um, Argentina and you'll see how different it is. And it is really different. And they're, they're such different cultures. But I think what we don't celebrate is also the crazy similarities we have for literally living in a totally different place and culture with totally different backgrounds. And there are so many of those. And so I think there is something to be celebrated not just in our differences but also in our similarities switching the perspective it's like, yeah. are you going to focus on what's different
0: not that that's negative are you going to focus yeah. on what's similar and where you can connect because it's mm-hmm. usually where things start to come to fruition is like what, what do we have in common whether it's business relationships of yeah. life it's like where can we kind of give and take and to your point exactly what you're doing in your business and like lift yeah. each other up it's in those similarities that things really that start to brew yeah 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 and bring to life where do you see her story going over the next five years i know it's everyone's favorite question where do you see your life in five years
1: <laughs> no idea i'm sure it will never be where i expect it to be yeah. where would you That's like it to be been my biggest learning experience um But I think for me is I really want us to continue the movement and changing the narrative of retail. And if in, you know, five years, her story can really be, you know, not only a lifestyle brand, but an ecosystem for women, not only to have a platform and a microphone to share their story and sell their luxury products right but also have an opportunity for micro-investment, an opportunity to collaborate not just with, um, you know, other brands from a uh, collection perspective, but collaborate with other brands from a M&A perspective um, to where, you know, maybe five brands can come together and create a coalition. And to yeah. me, that's what her story really nurtures. It's not about um, the product, right? Mm-hmm. It's about the story and that's why we always say wearable stories because if we can bring together a community of women who truly believe that we're stronger together and truly believe that, you know, the brands deserve the margin and the artisans deserve fair pay and women will, you know, enhance their communities if they're given the opportunity to do so, if we all believe that and we continue to grow, um, this is going to be much more than a movement. It's really going to change um, the face of retail. And that's what I see in five years is based on the women I've worked with and the stories I've heard, I think it's not only changing from a brand and a retail perspective, it's changing from a customer perspective because customers want to wear something that's not only, you know, giving back and Mm -hmm. making an impact because we talk about cause marketing all the time, but it's telling a story. and, And they're connected to that story based on, what they're wearing on their body, um, and that's what I'm really excited about.
0: There's no irony that it's her story, and you're changing the story of women all around the world. Mm-hmm. Was that the narrative, or did that just work out like that? So this is an ego question for me. I'm like, did I did a light bulb just go off in my
1: head? <laughs> well, it, it's it's funny um, because her story is always been around it's history from the female perspective that's truly what her story means and so when we started um support her story we actually had it called small biz box originally it was small business box and then we started looking at what we were doing and being like are we gonna always be subscription or is it this and my sister Brittany, i'll always give her credit (laughs) she was like what about um what about her story like her space story like it's her story we're sharing we're like oh I love that and then we looked it up because you always look at the trademarks and we're like oh "Oh, her story is like history it's like trying to trademark history like that's not that's not going to happen um but then support her story was available and so grabbed that domain and from there I think we were able to transition to um what supporting her story meant Mm. and I think over the past you know two years, it's really, um, it's really grown into what it is today. Like I wouldn't say two years ago, I was like, oh, her story means sharing her stories. Cause yes, we were always doing that with the subscription box, but now it's about creating a microphone and a platform for her to rewrite her story. And we always say designing her story, right? She gets to be the designer Designer. of her story. She gets to be the writer Of her story. Um, But no, I wouldn't say we knew exactly what it was going to mean two years ago and how much weight it would carry. But the more that we grow, the more we're like, oh, wow, this This name is everything. It's deep, you know. Um, And yeah, I I think it's been really incredible to kind of see that growth and how the women um, behind the brands connect with each other's stories. Um, So, yeah.
0: I was going to let you off the hook and ask uh, the final question, but you said something that I need you to elaborate on. You said your biggest learning experience has been that it never works out how you thought. Yeah. Why? And why is it so important for people to understand? I just had this conversation earlier, but I think it's very important for people to recognize that your vision is not always going to end up how you thought, but that's
1: okay. Well, it kind of goes back to our original conversation, right? You don't know what you don't know, mm-hmm. and I think when you start off on a path and you're like, "This is, you know, my end goal," um, you get into the journey and you realize, "Oh wow, there's so much more here." Yeah, and so I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we can't control the narrative, mm-hmm. right? Because the narrative's being written by so many of us, and so if you're creating a successful business and if you're creating something for people, it should be about the people, right? The Mm -hmm. customers, the brands, the clients, whatever that might be. And so if you end up, if you came up with an idea and five years down the road, you end up with the exact same idea that you had five years ago, in my opinion, you failed Mm -hmm. because you didn't listen to the journey and you didn't listen to the customers or the clients or the brands, you only listen to the ego, you only listen to Mm -hmm. yourself. And so you might have lost out on a lot of opportunities you could have done. It doesn't mean it can't be really similar, but I don't think it ever turns out the way we plan because life has a much, you know, larger plan for us and different factors and, um, you know, data points within there that we didn't even know, like unforeseen variables, right? You mm-hmm. didn't know we're going to come in and the world always is changing, right? We're yeah. always changing and evolutionizing. So um, I think that's why it never comes out the way you plan. Because the minute you say, this is what I'm going to do, or this is not what I'm going to do, somewhere up there in the cosmos looks down on you and they're like, huh, what yeah. all did you know? <laughs> That is the story of my life.
0: I told. I can never say I'm never going to do something because yeah. the thing I say I'm never going to do is a thing that happens tomorrow. Oh, it's yeah. just, there's no such thing as never in my vocabulary anymore. So if you heard on this podcast, we need to <laughs> Never
1: say never. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> the song, Never Say Never, Justin yeah. Bieber, right? Yep, yep. He's ringing in my brain. Where can people find you?
1: Let the audience market yourself. Yep, on Support Her Story. So you can follow us on Instagram at Support Her Story. Um, we're also on Um, the web. So we have an e-commerce website, support her story with um, 70 of our 250 brands that you can shop. It's all luxury customized um, brands between, you know, Mignon Gavigan to small brands like Corazon Playero um, made in Mexico or brands made in Brazil. So it's a really cool way to learn about the stories of um, the women um, and Hopefully, we're going to be having a lot of pop-ups coming up in 2023. Okay. So we're going to be in um, Highland Park on Thursday and Friday doing a Her Story Market. And then we're going to be in Fort Worth next weekend at Shops at Clear Fork with 20 of our woman-led brands from around the world. So we have uh, founders coming in from Brazil uh, to be a part of the market and Well, we need to story. go Thursday
0: and Friday. Yeah, you've got to come. Okay, I'll be there. I'll be there. Uh, Probably leaning more toward Friday. I potentially could do Thursday, but I'll just, we'll talk about it after. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'll put all of that in the show notes. So everyone is your hat from there? Yes, this is Corazon Playero. So it's all hand embroidered um, by artisans in Cabo San Lucas. So I actually met Isabel, speaking of relationships. Um, two years ago on the beach and she had two artisans who were hand embroidering palm hats on the beach and now they are going to be in St. Bernard's. Um, Uh They have about 35 artisans that they're employing and continuing to grow every day and all of their hats sell out within like minutes of launching on, on the website. So it's so cool to see a brand who truly, you know, we started with and seeing where they are, you know, a year and a half later, that gives me all of my purpose that I need.
0: A heart of gold, this one. You <laughs> truly have a heart of gold, which is admirable. The last question I ask every single person, which I feel like you're going to have a lot to answer on this one. Um, But Tinsley, what are you grateful for today?
1: I am so grateful for not only, you know, my family and friends who truly Brought me back down to earth and have really, you know, reminded me of, you know, what's most important and those priorities as we we've talked about. But I'm so grateful for truly the community of women who have blessed me with their stories and their journeys and really, you know, morphed me as a person um, to want to do more and continue to. You know, we always talk about that fire in the belly and how it can dim during hard times. My fire is like radiating out of me. I feel like every day I have more purpose and more meaning and more passion because of the women I work with. So I'm so grateful for that. And then honestly, um, just really excited for you know the future. I think we always talk about the negatives in the news and things going on, but I truly am so grateful for the opportunities we all have to collaborate and give back and and learn um, from one another and so yeah i have a million things to be grateful for but um the women in my life have have really changed you know the person i am today
0: opportunity connection relationships are all the most important thing what yeah. do we if we don't have relationships if we're not giving and receiving love then what are we here to do i love that and i usually say what I'm grateful for. I'm going to say I'm grateful for my health, but I'm going to do an affirmation. I'm going to say I am present because that is what I'm working on. And so yeah. I'm going to switch the narrative a little bit. You, you're not off the hook. You're still yeah. grateful, but mine is an affirmation on being present. So thank you so yeah. much for being on. This was amazing. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs>